pull up a bar stool. You know, once a month, I invite my friend Andrew Foxwell onto the show, so I'm not just talking to myself. And we get a little geeky on the Facebook ad stuff, so that's what we're going to do today. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, what happens when you apply passion, so what you're passionate about to your Facebook marketing. And we'll get uh, Facebook's latest algorithm changes, um, updates to displaying, you know, uh, how responsive you are to your fans. Instagram, we've got a whole bunch of things to talk about. And there's also a little something about, you know, what coaster you use and send us a picture of what you got. <laughs> so you're going to enjoy this one. Pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey everybody, John here from JohnLumber.com and John Limber Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast where each week I invite you to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. So this week, Andrew, I must like you a lot. It's 8 in the morning. I got up a little earlier, got the sleep out of my eyes, even took a shower, made myself look halfway respectable, went downstairs, had to deal with fighting kids, got the beer... Here we are. Andrew Fox, my friend. I, How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, I appreciate you putting in the effort to get up and put on a V-neck T-shirt as well, which is really important. <laughs> so uh, thank, thank you for that. And I know it's early morning. It's early morning here, too. I'm in my in-law's house, of which we call Lago Land. So to make that famous in the Internet world, oh, that's where I'm hanging out at today. All right. Well, what are you drinking? It's 9 a.m. Well, your time, so it's like it's practically happy hour anyway. Yeah. Well, I am uh, having a little, a uh, little bit of this, a little Lining Kugel Summer Shandy, which of course from Chippewa Falls, uh, Wisconsin, and uh, is kind of the beer that a lot of people know them by. But this stuff's pretty tasty, so about to awesome. practice about nine a.m. Awesome. Yeah, you know, actually, that's not a bad one to have in the morning. Anyway, um, I've been going local. I, I've got the got this big old sampler, and so I'm not even sure if I've had this one yet uh, on the show. I probably have, uh, but I, I figure if I go on the lighter side, if I want to make it through. So it's a Denver Pale Ale, uh, brilliant English style, balanced, the DPA, backwards, it'll appear on the video. Cheers to you, my Great. man. Cheers. Cheers. By the way, uh, oh, there go the bubbles. Ah! Recovery. <laughs> Gotta include that in the video. So a heads up on, on this bad boy. So, oh, so nice. yeah, so Andrew, you know, uh, was nice enough to give this to me when we met in San Diego. Um, it was banished already from the basement. Now, your others, the, the other wood versions, uh, co yes. wood coasters, they made it. But Lisa hid that okay. one away. Lisa hid that one away, so I've got to put it in my office now. So it's still well, in the basement, hey, but not, not the know, nice it's, area. It's good for the office. That's what it's good for, right? Like, that's, that's ultimately what it's about. <laughs> So the nicer ones from Wisconsin Brewing Company, you know, those are nice wooden coasters. Um, and so, you know, hey, you know, listeners and watchers, let us know about your coasters and your favorite best <laughs> coaster. I'd like to know. I want to see <laughs> I think picture. it's fascinating. It's right. I'd like to see some pictures. Send, send John photos or me. <laughs> so, so at John Loomer or what is it? At, Fo at Foxwell Digital or what is it? At Andrew Foxwell. At Andrew yeah. Foxwell. Uh, I was yep. sorry. Tweet us some photos. Tweet us some photos. All right. So I think the first thing, there are a bunch of things we can talk about today, but um, one, of the, one of the questions a lot of people have uh, is around app, you know, 
actual applications, the way people have used Facebook or Facebook ads successfully, and not just theory, you know, you do X, Y, and Z, but this is how it was done. Um, so first place I want to start was um, what you guys are doing. So Andrew, your wife, Gracie, and, and her dad just uh, released a book, and I just got it. And my, my grandparents got it, or my grandpa got it, my parents got it, my brother got it. And so we're all reading it, but I know you're also promoting it and doing your little PR thing and using Facebook, Facebook ads. What are you doing with that? And what's the book? Let everybody know. How yeah, I mean, it's, so the book is The Land of Milk and Uncle Honey. It's a, it's a memoir collection of stories uh, from the farm that my father-in-law grew up on. My father-in-law is a syndicated columnist that's been writing an agricultural column for 20 years. And it's a, every six weeks or so, he takes a break from his hard-hitting policy stuff and does a column about, oh, you know, let's it, the farm that he grew up on. And um, there's a character, there's a number of characters on the farm, and one of them uh, was a guy named Uncle Honey. And so it's, it's, it's a mix of funny and serious stories. Uh, and it really is also, it was named the top books, 20 books to read uh, for foodies this summer. By, uh, it's doing well on Amazon, um, too. On Appetite magazine, and yeah, so it's doing really well, and uh, and I think it's it's a it's a book for foodies as well. It's a book for people that care about food and where their food came from. So, yeah, so we set up a, a Facebook, um, you know, a, obviously a page for it, and then we and and the the thing that we're doing is we're doing a lot of uh, touring as well. And so the the first thing that we've done is anybody that comes to the website to learn about the book. Uh, we send them an ad if they live in a city that we're going to that says, hey, we're coming to your area. Um, and that's currently getting about 13, 14 cent website clicks, which is fantastic. Um, any event that we have, we also, since you know, photo albums have always been good on Facebook algorithmically, we've been uploading those immediately following the event. Uh, and usually we'll get just as, which is natural for smaller pages and organic reach that's much, much greater than the actual page fans um, out of that because people are commenting and things like that. Um, so we'll have two to three X reach on that. Um, and there's been a lot of neat applications of this, you know, so th we've had a lot of people say, oh, I, I found out about this on Facebook or I'm so glad that you put that on Facebook or people will read the book and then they'll see more photos and comment on them and they'll tag their friends and things like that. So we have up until this point only invested maybe about $75 total. <laughs> um, and you know we're being very pointed in it, and it's been uh, very productive and lucrative thus far. So. Are you running any conversion ads, or is it mostly awareness? We are not. It's it's awareness because um, the, most of the books are people are either getting in person or they're getting uh, on Amazon. Yeah. So we're not doing any conversion ads, but uh, we're driving website clicks. We did some event ads as well, um, in, that were more pointed for bigger events. Um, and we've set those up with actually the University of Illinois Press, who the book is through, uh, doing some targeting of fans of the bookstores that we're going to be at and people that are interested in memoirs and, and agriculture, you know, sort of historical agriculture and foodies and organic stuff like that. Um, and we're just using link posts to drive people through. Um, and those have been going really well thus far. They're all, you know, in the 50 cent to a dollar range. So it's been good. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I know conversions are, are difficult to measure. I think the one thing that, you know, a lot of people who are in that situation, what you can do is, all right, well, people have come to your site and the site is specifically for the book. Well, some of those people bought it, you don't know. So it's kind of, you can't like exclude people who already bought it. 
but you can do yeah. some remarketing there, especially like if you got very little traffic, you could do the CPM or daily unique reach, or whatever, targeting them and then driving them to Amazon or whatever. Um, right. But, and then you can like, you know, obviously look to see, did we have surge in sales on these days when I was doing that? And you can do that really right. inexpensively because when you're talking about such a small audience, uh, if you're talking about, you know, a few hundred people or whatever, um, you're going to be spending close to nothing and just try to blanket all those people, try to get them to buy. Right. And I, and I took, you know, the, the John Loomer methodology of, of doing website custom audiences, um, uh, like ad, with like ads for people that had also visited, you know, the site about the book and, and my father-in-law's site generally, uh, just, you know, that are checking out his column or the documents that he has or past columns he gets a steady amount of traffic on that so you know we're getting likes to the page for under a quarter a piece because people say oh yeah, yeah i want to i heard about that you know i want to follow along on that so uh it's it's one of those things where even with a limited budget you know we sales have been good and there hasn't really been a lot of marketing spend and i'm convinced that we're convinced that facebook does have a lot to do with that because uh, these are photos that people want to see, right? It's stuff that they care about. Like they're there. We're not showing this stuff that people don't care about. We're not growing a huge audience with like ads. People aren't that relevant. Uh, it's very specific and there's less than 500 fans, but those fans, they're there and they really love it. And so it'll continue to grow. I know it will. People stay updated. Yeah. And what's cool is that you are applying what you know and what you teach to something you're passionate about. Right. I mean, I, f- I feel like, um, right. you know, up until recently, I kind of, kind of got in this rut where, because, you know, they all say those who can do, those who can't teach, and we try to do be a mixture, right? We try to actually do and we try to teach. But yep. mo- most of my application is targeting Facebook marketers and things like that with, with, with um, the JohnLumber.com site and my products and, and whatnot. But ultimately, what I'm passionate about, believe it or not, is not Facebook ads, right? So yeah, I've always kind of thought, you know, there's, there's gonna be one day where there's gonna be something that I'm actually passionate about that I need to push, and this will be a great way to do it. And I, I know, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. Um, I think actually anyone listening to last week's podcast heard, might have heard the kind of beginnings of this. But um, my passion in this house is baseball. Like all, all three of my boys play it, I coach it, and. So our latest kind of project, almost like a new little business, is starting a new baseball team for my middle son, Ryan. And mm-hmm. this, that's a huge challenge. And so right. it's like, how do I get the word out? And there are like all kinds of like uh, travel ball teams in the area and whatnot. So how do I attract the right people to this team? So the first thing that happened in all this is like, because I, I often talk about, you know, it's, it's tough to like, from scratch, create a Facebook presence for a brand. But mm-hmm. what you can do is create a Facebook presence for the relevant related passion. So I, I didn't do this planning for this particular scenario, but I did planning for something similar. It could be anything that was b- baseball related for parents. So I created a Facebook page for parents of kids who play baseball um, back in uh, October or so. And yep. I ran ads. I actually spent, I don't know, $1,500 or so, uh, partially as an experiment, just to see, you know, how cheaply could I, you know, build this audience with ads over a passion. And it's cheap, by the way. 
Um, but the question was, what's the quality of that audience? So, okay, now I've got the way, got this connection where I can apply it. I created this website for, for this team that I created. Um, and I said, okay, well, I need to create content. So I started creating content that's relevant to coaching and to parents looking for the right team and, and this and that. And, uh, you know, I was unprepared. I did not follow the John Limmer methodology and all this, whatever you're talking about. Like, I did not have uh, Google Analytics working yet. I did not have website custom audience pixel on my site. Nothing. Uh-huh. I was like, I, I mean, I barely even got it out of the box. And I like, published a post and ha- shared it to my page, scheduled it for 2.30 in the morning. I was like, eh, we'll see what happens. I wake up and it's reached 92,000 people. And, I mean, that first day, had over 10,000 link clicks on that, driving, driving to the site. I mean, that, so there's 30,000 people on that page. And that was entirely the source of the traffic because there's no yeah. other way. I mean, I didn't have anything else built up. So um, it's, it was amazing. And so now I've been writing a blog post like every couple of days. And so this brand new website with no prior email list or nothing. Um, and I've already got like 30,000 page views in six days. And it's, uh, wow. it's pretty awesome. So it's, it's fun kind of applying what you know to something that you love. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think it's important to for people to understand too that um, you know it doesn't have to be complicated, right? It doesn't it you know all, all it is is it's a basis of the things that, that we talk about, which is you know basis of multivariate testing. Try some different audiences, right? Get new people in there, see what works, and 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 make sure that you set expectations for yourself. You know, a lot of people say I'm, I just want to give this a shot, you know, and and or or the, it'll be the other extreme. I want to get you know the 25 cent website clicks. Well, you might not, right? I mean, we don't you don't really know. If you get things up and going, but what what's fun about it is, when you start to build a community on Facebook and you're pushing people around that, you know that that passion is is something that'll drive you. You want to do it, and you notice it right away. And if you if it is something that's interesting to you and you continue to work on, it can be something that you know down the road could be a bigger deal than you ever thought it could be. You know, I think everybody wants to be part of some community. And we've talked on this podcast before about you know Brogan's like kind of edge of the edge or you know your 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 kind of your people, and and what are those and where are those and what are, and out of your passions even right so what are what are the things that you can do to kind of find those those um, pieces and then applying you know the the foundational aspects of Facebook advertising to it, so more than anything Facebook is obviously rewarding now algorithmically and otherwise things that people really find interesting and care about you know it, advertising is more competitive and harder so you're going to have to find creative ways to figure things out and build that community outside of it you can, there, no longer are the days of just running an ad and sort of saying okay that's fine let the page be what it is right it, have, it has to be two things together um, i think the, building up something with a passion that you have is a good way to begin that understanding kind of and moving it forward yeah, and I think that having the passion as the foundation is important because it's it's pure, right? As opposed to right. I've, I've got to sell this, I got to sell this. So you, it's like it's more awkward when you're when you're really pushing a business, okay. as opposed to like sharing an experience with people um, who've been there just like you have. I mean, yeah, these these results have been ridiculous, um, and I have been running ads now too. 
and I'm remarketing to people who've already visited the website. You know, it's, it's shorter that window is um, with that website custom audience. So for my newest blog post, I'm getting two cents per website click. Sorry, people have been there before. I mean, that kind of stuff probably won't last because like it's it's new and kind of cool to some of these people. But uh, it's, I think there is something to be said for the fact that it is built around a passion. Um, now. Before we continue, I need a quick drink, and so this is a good time for a transition. Cheers, my man. Cheers. All right, so you transitioned nicely, talking about uh, Facebook's algorithm and showing people what they want to see and this and that. Well, uh, this always kills me. Whenever Facebook makes another algorithm change, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's supposed to be a big deal. And, and the one I'm about to mention is one that, I, honestly, I didn't realize it was a change. I thought they'd been doing this for years. And like reading the comments below you know, any, any of these announcements and like something, why can't Facebook just leave it alone? It's, you know, all this kind of <laughs> right. stuff. They, right. they don't right. know what I like. like. This is such a, I think, such a minor change. It just seems obvious. So the change right. is um, Facebook is paying attention to how long you are viewing something to determine whether you care about it. And um, so basically, if it, you don't just need to like, comment, and share, um, or click around on it or whatever. If you just scroll down and stop and view it for 30 seconds as opposed to one second, you obviously care about it more. Or if you just scroll by it as Facebook tell, you tell on Facebook that you don't care so much about that stuff. In that very small sample size, so don't people don't don't just assume that oh I, I can't just scroll past my, my nana's post because then I'll never see her again. No, it's just it, if you do that every single time, you'll never see nana's post. But yeah, anyway. Right. But of course, the responses I saw in there like, what if I had to take a dump and I step step away for ten minutes? Now Facebook, <laughs> like, dude, just like it's not perfect, but you can't just like cherry pick these like little little situations that can happen. Anyway, what, what's your, what's yeah, your thoughts? The, well, you know, I think, first of all, they've already been doing this uh, with ads. And I think that, that it probably has been part of the equation for a while. It's just that they're weighting it more. You know, one of the things that Facebook is, is stri striving, especially right now, to build around is understanding people that don't interact and don't click or like or share or anything like that. But they're seeing content and they're and they read it or they find it interesting um, and how they can quantify that that's dealing with advertising you know how do we measure that because nobody's doing anything right but it's still driving stuff that matters and then on the content side it's the same thing just because i didn't click through the article i may have gotten more information on a link post which has the post text the link headline the link, the link description you know, that, that I need, right? I can get the genesis of a quick part of the story. I mean, it's more than a tweet, right? So, and, and maybe I don't want to click through and read it, but maybe I actually, I've done this on our local paper. I pick up the physical paper and read it, you know, like, and, and so, because I saw it online. So how are, how are they measuring that? And I think it's important that Facebook is, is obviously transparent about what they're doing and making this decision to openly say, hey, we are waiting this. Is, is a good thing because it, it begins or it continues their framework of helping you understand, okay, 
I may not have somebody that's clicking through on my content, right? I, and I have 5,000 Facebook fans, but I don't really get a lot of clicks. Well, the reality is click is like one part of it, right? Like you may see down the road that Facebook says, there's a quality interaction score, there's a quality read score or something around saying, here's content that you have put out. It's been shown to this many people, which is you know reach or whatever. But even moving past that, people have spent an average uh, you know 36% more on this article. They found this interesting. And I think, and that's where we're going because Facebook is such a content engine for everyone online. Um, and and to, to have a metric that's built that, or, you know, a set of metrics that's built clicks, interactions, engagement, that does not consider the time that people are just looking at something doesn't make any sense. Right. Absolutely. And that's why it surprised me. That they, I mean, again, they make it sound like it's new, but like you said, I feel like they, they've, they've had to, I mean, obviously they've been, they've been weighing it for video because they've been reporting, you know, whether it's right. three second or full video or whatever. But, you know, I, I love this because this is absolutely me as I do not comment, like and share a lot. Um, and just because I don't doesn't mean I don't care. And I'm actually kind of the exception to my rule as well about, um, well, if, if you care about it, you'll click on it in some way. It might not be a public thing. Well, I even don't even like click on a lot of things. I mean, I'll, I'll click on links, but I don't necessarily click around a lot. So, okay, right. well, so I just Facebook know what I like and what I don't like. Well, that's certainly one way. And, oh, man, I hope this gets rid of memes in my newsfeed. Because yeah. like, oh, the, the inspirational quotes, I, I'm inspired already, man. I don't, I don't need your inspirational quote. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so we you're, fly getting, through it, you know? getting to your earlier point about, um, you know, people getting up in arms about stuff. You know, it, what's interesting to me is that, um, first of all, it's interesting to me that we're still talking about organic reach of client. Like, that's still a thing that if you go to social media conferences, people talk about. Shut like, up. that's basically that's basically been there and happening for like three years or whatever. So, or like two years, okay? So like that's, we don't need to talk about that. Are you if sure you, you don't want to talk about organic reach? Yeah, are you sure? I don't, really don't oh, want okay. to talk about it. But <laughs> if you followed along, you know, the, the linear path, what what Facebook has, has shown is, uh, you know, that they're spending more time on making sure that it just stuff matters to you more and they're improving your experience. That's the entire genesis of it. It's not, how can we introduce this to make more money? Although that is part of the equation, absolutely. But that is, if you read, if you read anything that they say, that is secondary, absolutely, or even third in the tree to what tertiary is the word you're looking for. Tertiary, because <laughs> nothing will, the you know, the network won't grow if you if you have uh, you know people that don't care. So. They, you know, the time on Facebook, I think that they released a year ago, maybe some, some data around the average time people, you know, look at Facebook right. and time that they spend with it. And it's increasing. And it's because of this stuff. It's because, oh, that actually really matters to me. I yes. care. So don't, whenever, it's important for people on the podcast, under, podcast to understand that when Facebook does these changes, don't, if you are a person that freaks out, you're actually putting yourself immediately at a disadvantage because then you're a victim. Right. So like embrace the change, learn to understand it, learn to speak about it in the way that Facebook's speaking about it and then be able to translate that. And and that will make you ultimately more valuable to your customers. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't mean that every change Facebook makes is correct uh, and, and productive. However, clearly, if you've been angry about all the changes in the past, clearly what they're doing is making Facebook a, a better experience for users. Or other, otherwise, they wouldn't be using it. They would be going away. Right. The time on site would be going down. The the, gr- the growth wouldn't be there. It would be going the way of MySpace as everyone's been predicting or, you know, the naysayers been predicting for the last 10 years. And so, um, yeah, you got to embrace it. Because if you and, and at least understand how it works and why it works that way. Like, oh, yeah. So because then all of a sudden you change your frame of mind that. So I don't I shouldn't be creating content to chase an algorithm. I should be trying to create content that people want to see. Oh, it's interesting. See, we ended up talking about organic reach, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. but I, I think it's an it's an important change, and and the the, the message I would say here is uh, is set is set yourself apart, right? People pay the reason people yeah. pay you as a Facebook ads person, you as somebody listening to this podcast, oh, is because you're someone that can be that sets it apart and can explain the why behind things. If you're someone that immediately takes a change and is up in arms about it. And, and I think, you know, we've done a good job in Power Hitters Club, having that be a community of people that are not like this. JohnLiver.com um, slash PHC. All right, continue. But, you know, the it's if you're a person that freaks out about it, then then I would encourage you to slow down and start to think about the why and start to think about it uh, in reference to your clients and how you're going to explain it to them. Because the, if, if you're freaked out and you freak them out, ultimately you're going to end up with bad business results across the board. So if you can be someone that says, here's why I think this is happening. Here's how I think it's going to help you guys. Here's how I think it might not help you. That's some, that's what people pay for. That's what sets you apart. And that's a really important piece I mentioned. That. Right. I think this is really closely connected. I don't want to you know, bog down this too much, but very closely connected to what we were talking about earlier. And like the passions, right? So if you've right. got a passion and we already explained how easy is it to, to drive traffic and get people to engage when you're actually passionate about something and care about it and you're reaching people who have an equal passion for it um, as opposed to you know trying to sell something where it, that that angle you're taking is just awkward and going after people who might not be interested and then you're mad about the amount of reach you're getting, right? So I think there's an easy parallel there and an explanation for this algorithm change and what, why the algorithm is there what works? Oh, when I'm passionate about something and I'm reaching people who are also passionate about it, I don't need to chase some algorithm. It just works really well. Why is that? Right. So anyway, don't 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 need to spend too much time on that. But um, I'm just shifting gears a little bit. So there's a social baker study recently that 80 percent of companies ignore questions on Twitter, but they respond on Facebook. Where do we go with this, Andrew? Well, I think, you know, so there's always these studies that are happening from social bakers or Forrester or, you know, other people uh, that talk about certain things. But this one's particularly interesting to me because it talks about social customer service. And I think for a long time, those of us in the social world have thought about Twitter as the main channel for social customer service, right? Uh, and it certainly is, is I think, very, uh, very heavy in that. I think if you're a big brand, um, you need to have a social, you know, customer service channel for that. And I'm not an expert in this. So I'm, I'm not going to go into that too much. But what's interesting to me is that Facebook is people respond faster on Facebook. So that's interesting. A second piece of this um, that I think, think is good is, you know, Facebook recently released a new feature, which some of you may have seen that actually publicly displays your response time um, on the page. 
uh, and says, you know, they are very responsive or and categorizes them. They're not very responsive or it's been, you know, their average response is, is, in, is in this time range. Uh, and, and, you know, that to me is, is a really smart thing. And I think what, have, what it shows is that people and brands enjoy responding more on Facebook because it's easier. It's kind of, right? and yeah. The feature and, that is, is a lot more rich. Yeah, and I think by, by adding those metrics, and, and I'm not clear yet which ones are public and which ones are for the um, users. I know that they have like an icon when you're highly responsive. I'm not really clear on everything else, but the main mm-hmm. point being it, they, they're kind of gamifying this, and it's almost, right. like a, it's almost like a clout score. Like, oh, right. no, that's there? Can people see that? I've got to improve that. And all of a sudden, they, they, you know, they're more responsive to their, their Facebook messages. And, um, I, yeah, it's right. really smart. I mean, because well, if, there's, if there's one thing that we know about, about, social, about marketers is that they're competitive and they're really self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think, think it, the, the framework people thought, think about it is, and not everybody, but this is common, I think, is people say, okay, you know, I have my website. If somebody submits a comment or a contact form on my website, like that's that's a big deal, right? Like I, I want to respond to that, right? But and so let's say that's there's that, and then they they think about a comment on a on a Facebook ad or they comment on a post or something, and they think about it separately from that. But if you actually look at the numbers, um, and I've done this with a number of small business owners, you look at okay, your website traffic is let's say hypothetically it's 100 people a day, 100 uniques a day, right? And you look at Facebook and your content, depending on how often you post, may be reaching 100 or more. And usually Facebook is reaching more unique people a day than your website is. So we have, just because websites came first and I think going through this, they're not really any different. I always think about it, a friend of mine always used to tell members of Congress when I worked with them, look, how many people walk into your congressional office every day? And they would say, I don't know, 10, right? Like 10, 15 people maybe. And say, how many people walk into your online office, your, your, your website? And it'd be, you know, 100, 200, 1,000. Okay, so if you have a, you know, a broken lamp in your corner of your physical office, people are going to be like, why have a broken lamp? So why would you have a broken link on your website? And, and it's the same type of concept here, right? It's that why would you have a broken system on Facebook? People want to talk to you there. And they're going to talk to you there. And if, especially if you're doing following, you know, your advice, and you're getting involved in Facebook advertising, or they're getting involved in paid acquisition, you're going to have to have a framework to 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 respond. And those that have a framework to respond and talk to people and say, "Hey, I'm here. How's it going? What can I help you with?" They will increase their conversion rate. It's natural. We all want to ask questions, right? We're curious consumers. And so thinking about them separately, with the website being up here and Facebook being down here. And, or you know, people thinking about Twitter or, and Facebook, which one's more important? I think what what's big here is that Facebook is increasing their feature set for people, making it easier. They're uh, making it easier for you to understand how to respond and when. And they're going to make it public, maybe to say you're really good at this. And it's going to make it easier for people to get a hold of you because they're making more of a play into the local space. So people find you. Hey, when are you when are you open? Can I stop by? You're going to need to be able to build that into the system, and it's and I don't think it needs to be thought of as more work. It's actually should be fun work because it's people that want to come see you, or they want to right. come to your store, or they want to ask questions about your product. Right, and uh, here at John Lumber Digital, we actually make any uh, questions come in via my site, email, and Facebook equal, um, and that's because it all funnels into Zendesk. 
And honestly, I mean, while you can't look to see where it came from, we don't care. It's like, it, there, oh, here's a new ticket. You got to respond to this question no matter where it came from. And um, I mean, that's the one difficulty is it's, you know, you're scattered all over the place in, in terms of responding. But um, that's the way we handle it because um, it, it really doesn't matter where it came from. Right. Right. And I think that's that's an important concept in and of itself. Uh, but I think what is, you know, it's important that this getting back to the original thing about the study of 80 percent of people, you know, brands aren't responding on Twitter is I think that's a, should be a call out loud to Twitter. Hey, guys, like customer service is a big part of what you do. And that's where people see value. But people aren't interacting there. They're not responding because they don't feel that it's as valuable or it's harder to do so. Um, and so, you know, if you're a company that uses Twitter and uses it, it well, I think that um, you are you should think of yourself as special. I think a lot of people really struggle with Twitter because they don't know how to give a complete answer or respond to things in a, in a very sophisticated manner uh, on the platform uh, versus Facebook, which allows you to, to you know, be longer forms and images, screenshots, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Um, so see, even though on direct messages they got rid of the threshold on direct messages now, I yeah, that helps. Because otherwise, like, yeah, how do you handle a complicated problem in 140 characters? That's that's tough. Uh, right. We're we're running out of time here, Andrew. And there, okay. were, there were two other things that you want to talk about. I think we got time for one. Do you remember what those two things are? Do you, what do you, what do you want to talk about here? Well, what, the one that I think is most interesting okay. to people as forward thinking on the on the, the podcast is, um, is talking about uh, Instagram as art. There was a Bloomberg study, or excuse me, a Bloomberg article last week uh, about a gentleman that was in Austria, I think, that bought a piece of art on Instagram, a ex really expensive piece of art. I think it was north of a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, and so that's interesting, right? Why did he do that? How did he find it? That's a story alone. And I, what I, uh, to me, what's fascinating about it is as a as a uh, advent of you know kind of Instagram coming up. Instagram ads now are very they're they're getting more prevalent. People are going to have access hopefully soon. If you're someone that is a that is a brand that is visual, you have something you want to share. If you have a physical product, if you know maybe even if you don't, if, uh, but you want to talk about the personality of the informational market that you're selling or whatever. Uh, I would very much begin to make a play in Instagram, and I would think about it differently than you've thought about Facebook for a long time. Instagram, it's so visual, it's about hashtags and things like that, and people are driving conversions on Instagram you know, with insignificant dollar conversions. And, I, and the, the main piece is it's discovery. It's very top of the funnel. It's for people to discover you, discover who you are, what's interesting about it, and it's about positioning you know your products in a different way so as instagram stuff's coming up i think it's important for to just talk about that being a common thing that's going to continue to happen and if you're someone that is marketing a product and you don't have an instagram account or you haven't thought about the strategy over a six-month period of time of what's what you kind of want to put up um, i would encourage you to do that because it's coming fast and it's going to make what you do more effective and it'll set you apart yeah, no, that's a super long way to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, my my fourteen year old son is much more of an expert in Instagram than I am, uh, so I'm not going to claim to know everything about it. But at least seems to me. So this this is where the, the old person tries to act like he knows what he's talking about. But seems to me it's more like it, it, it is becoming more kind of uh, Pinterest like 
in that I mean, Pinterest is great for e-commerce, and um, and what we're doing with Instagram now is okay. You've got you can have a carousel of ads. But I don't think they have a carousel anymore, and you throw a buy button on there or whatever button. And so before it was just all about awareness. Well, now you can actually drive them to that landing page to buy it. And um, so it's becoming a little, it's kind of like a, it's morphing between uh, uh, Pinterest and Facebook in that way, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think loosely connected, if not more closely connected, is this announcement recently, kind of a quiet announcement that Facebook is um, ramping up the test with Shopify. So yeah. th- these are very similar ads uh, in a way. I don't know, maybe. It, uh, yeah, but basically, it's this type of ad that's going to be on Instagram more than likely very soon. Maybe we, even with agencies right now, you, you may know. Um, right. So with these Shopify customers, you've got this marketplace. You're selling a whole bunch of stuff. Um, on your ads, normally what's been happening is, oh, you got a button to click to your site and go to the landing page and buy. Well, now with this new integration with Facebook buy button, click buy within Facebook, you're done. And I assume that same thing will be, you know, take over within Instagram uh, because Facebook owns it. Um, And that's the kind of stuff I'm, I'm really excited about. Yeah, I think it's, I I think it's really exciting. And I think the the final piece that I want to say on this is um, if, if you think about people think of them separately right now, right? I mean, and they are obviously separate services, but, uh, I've had a lot of brands lately use Instagram as the main channel to test imagery before they integrate it with their Facebook account and their Facebook advertising. And so they'll, they'll you know, uh, they'll start and they'll say, great, we have some images here and now, okay, let's test them and move them over here. And even before the Instagram part of it, creative imagery is a part that all of us need to refresh more, period. Everybody can do a better job at this, right? And so... I, if you're someone that's continuing to scale and someone that's continuing to spend, it's important for you to think about uh, what is the acquisition of images and photos and creative that I, the process for that, that I'm going to use over time to grow this, right? Because, and you can, you, a lot of people just take Facebook ads, they'll start uh, the, uh, the images, they'll create Facebook ads, and then they'll run them, and then that's it. And they'll run them all in the same ad set, and then they'll say only one image worked, and then they don't have any idea. Right. So, you know what is and it's different for everybody but what's this framework and a lot of people that i've been speaking to recently have been hiring instagram photographers or just regular photographers that are bigger on instagram uh, to take photos of their products or their service uh, or their place of business and they use those over time uh, to tell to tell a story Uh, and so you know if you're someone that's doing that with clients and you're scanning up accounts it's important to think about that that kind of flow and what that looks like and what's going to be helpful to you because you can't have, the, we still operate, a lot of us, on the batch of creative imagery, create, run, wait till it dies. Batch <laughs> of creative imagery, run, wait till the ads die. Yeah, and, and that, that, you know, and so if you're gonna spend, you know, nor, north of five to $10,000 a month on Facebook advertising, there has to be some sort of piece in here that's constantly refreshing, because otherwise, you know, you're, you're, you're just not gonna be as effective, so. Anyway. Awesome, man. Well, we're unfortunately out of time. I've called the bartender, and my dog Rosita came over, gave me the tab. I, I will take care of you today. 
Um, I just gotta say, I say, you know, I really enjoyed your decorative bowl and wheat in the background. It's it's a nice touch. Really nice touch. Yeah, Yeah. I'll 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 make sure my mother in law gets credit for this on the video podcast. So everybody, you can tweet at me and thank her for that. That's right. So where can people find you? Where can they get the book, Uncle Honey? So uh, you can find us at foxwelldigital.com or at Andrew Foxwell or at Gracie Foxwell on Twitter. Uh, and the book can be purchased from our website. There's a link uh, on Foxwell Digital, and there's also the main site for the book is uh, the is farmandfoodfile.com, which is my father-in-law's website. So check that out. Uh, we're also on Facebook, the land of milk and uncle honey. Check that out, see where we are in the country. We're going down to Carbondale, Carbondale today, Carbondale. and going down to St. Louis on Wednesday. Uh, so you know, stay updated, and uh, appreciate all you guys. To, are you guys checking it out? Make sure you wear your brewer's hat to St. Louis. Yes. And everybody absolutely. everybody listening, make sure you send us pictures of your coasters. Yes, we'd like to see that. All right. All right. All right. Thanks again, Andrew. Thank you. All right. So everybody else, uh, thanks again for, for being on the podcast, being our guest. Until next time, do awesome things. We're out.